You guys, I'm starting to think Donald Trump might be not the stable genius he told us he was. Hmm. Okay, but why all the long faces? So what? We're teetering on the brink of a recession. Is the Russia economy doing better than ours? I mean, who sanctioned who? So what? You need four jobs to afford rent. So what? It's hot. As long as we figure out how to live without water, we'll be fine. Cheer up. Cheer up. I'm sure all of this is going to work out just fine. No, I was not looking for cheap flights to Canada. What is this, a new episode of the Comparison Group podcast? Oh, lucky day, lucky day. It must be Christmas in July. Is it July? It's still June? What is it? It's Today is June 30th. Oh my goodness, June 30th. It seems like just yesterday was June 29th. The year is flying by. But how exciting it must be to get a notification. There's a new episode available. Thank you, Apple Podcast. Thank you, Spotify. Thank you, Pandora. Thank you anywhere you get your podcast for notifying me. There is a new episode available of the Comparison Group Podcast. I can't wait to listen. I can't wait to rate it. I can't wait to share it with all my friends and enemies. Thank you, Comparison Group Podcast. What's he going to talk about today? I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. Oh, wait. First of all, before I tell you what I'm going to talk about, I am not going to talk about abortion. Okay? I did a show on abortion. Uh, the Please Don't Make Me Talk About Abortion episode. So if you would like to know my thoughts on abortion, please go back and listen to that episode. Now, here's the funny thing about that episode. I didn't share it. Once the Roe v. Wade thing happened, I didn't reshare that episode because in the beginning of the episode, I did a little eh, funny talk up about mm, how shall I say what could happen if you see somebody outside a restaurant dressed kind of funny, looking kind of funny, and you're afraid they might shoot up the restaurant. Well, not two days after I did that, we had the Buffalo shooting. And then, of course, we had the tragic shooting in Uvalde. So to not be tasteless, I felt like I wasn't going to share that episode after the Roe v. Wade overturn. And I didn't really share the episode that week, even though, of course, I did the episode. I said that long before I knew we were going to have two tragic shootings. But still, in the interest of taste, I didn't really share the episode. But please, by all means, go back and listen to it. I think it was a good episode on abortion. Now, what am I going to talk about today? Well, <laughs> I'll talk about Shawshank Trump, born supremacy Trump, thinks he's going to take control of the limo, drive it into a wall. I'll talk about that. Sure, why not? Everybody's talking about it. And listen, just like everyone is saying, if anyone wants to refute Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, any part of her testimony, they should come and do it under oath. You know, on the conservative end of things, if you're wondering what they're saying about it, well, it's interesting. I happen to catch her testimony live. I don't always, but I just happened to turn on the news and there she was. And so I turned on Fox News because I was interested to see how they were covering it or if they were covering it. And they were. 
And what they said after her testimony ended was, whoa, this is damaging testimony. Well, within a 24-hour period, that turned into, well, is she telling the truth? Uh, there is pushback from the Secret Service. They say the limousine thing didn't happen, and she heard it secondhand, by the way. And oh, by the way, there's no cross-examination. That's the big thing on the right in conservative media. This is not a fair investigation, a fair select committee, because there's no cross-examination of the witnesses. Well, fear not. Fear not. Right? Conservative media? The cross-examination will come when Donald Trump goes on trial, when Rudy Giuliani goes on trial, when Donald Trump Jr. goes on trial, when Mark Meadows goes on trial. I'm sure that's what you would want to see if you're looking for cross-examination, correct? If they're not going to come in and testify now, if people like Michael Flynn or Roger Stone or Steve Bannon or whoever else, whoever else pleads the fifth and they're not going to come in and testify now, well, they can certainly testify at the trial and there'll be plenty of cross-examination at the trial. So what we would expect is that once this select committee is done, they will hand their findings over to the Justice Department. The Justice Department will then hand out the indictments, and then there'll be a trial and plenty of cross-examination. Again, I expect that's what you want if you want cross-examination. But let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm all into the show now. I haven't even really built up. But let me tell you something else. Let me give you another prediction. In a couple of days... What Donald Trump is saying is a lie by Cassidy Hutchinson. It never happened. They all ran out there. Donald, Donald Trump Jr. ran out, put tweets out. Ah, you can't even reach the steering wheel. You can't even reach the steering wheel from the back of the presidential limousine. Donald Trump, you could study his psychosis from tweets for, for, for years. But let me get back to that in a second. In a matter of days, I predict what Donald Trump is saying is a lie he will say is the truth. I predict that. He'll actually reverse himself and say, yeah, I did it. I did it. You know why? Because it's suddenly going to become a badge of honor for him to have wanted so desperately to be with his quote-unquote people, to march to the Capitol with his quote-unquote people. He's going to soon discover that the people love the story of him saying, I want to go to the Capitol. I want to go be with my people and being willing to drive the presidential limo into the wall to do it. They're going to love that story. So he's going to say, oh, that makes me look good. Well, you know what, then? Yeah, I did do it. He's going to reverse course. Watch. Watch. They'll all reverse course. Fox News will reverse course. Fox News is saying, ah, the story, it ain't adding up. The Secret Service says it never happened. This puts everything into question that Cassidy Hutchinson said. Sounds like she's a liar. Donald Trump says it never happened. Oh, well, if Donald Trump says it never happened, oh, gee, if he said it never happened, Donald Trump puts out a tweet. I told you before. I've told you on a couple occasions how much Donald Trump lies. I told you Donald Trump lies so much. He starts a sentence with a lie and ends the sentence, the same sentence with a contradicting lie. He did it in the tweet. He started out, if you call it a tweet, I don't know, what do you call it on his platform uh, that he's got going, his own social media platform, this Truth Social, which, by the way, the company that was supposed to take this Truth Social 
public, they're under grand jury investigation because why wouldn't they be? I mean, <laughs> but anyway, he puts out a message, whatever you call it on his platform, starts off by saying, I hardly knew her. Because to him, what could be a greater insult to say, I don't even know who you are. That's his psychotic narcissism. Then he ends the sentence by saying, and she wanted to come to Florida with us, and I personally turned her down. So I didn't know her, but I personally turned her down for a job. The man cannot help himself. He lies even when he doesn't have to. That's a compulsive liar. He lies even though he doesn't have to. The truth would be just fine. Let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something. Else. I'm not going to play the clip of Cassidy Hutchinson. If you haven't heard it by now, shame on you. Go find it on YouTube. It's been played a million times. The man tried to, in, in her telling, her testimony, under oath, he tried to grab the steering wheel, tried to choke out a Secret Service agent because he wanted to go to the Capitol. If it's true, <sighs> let me put it to you this way. Republicans. If it's true, Republicans, conservative media, 20 years ago, Bill and Hillary Clinton left the White House. Okay? 20 years ago. Up to this moment, conservative media still makes a big deal out of some furniture they took from the White House. I kid you not. I would not bring this up to you if it wasn't incredibly insane and how it ties in. Donald Trump tried to steal our country, tried to steal our democracy, Republicans and conservative media. He tried to steal this country. Hillary and Bill Clinton apparently took some items of furniture, some lamps, some rugs, a couple end tables from the White House that they believed were theirs to take because they believed they were gifts to them and not gifts to the White House. And conservative media has not stopped talking about it for 20 years, for 20 years. So Donald Trump tries to steal the entire country, tries to over, overturn a fair election, and conservative media says, ah, well, he's a little quirky. You know, give him his space. He's a little quirky. You know, One American News, the foxier Fox News, then Fox News, One American News, on the night that the select committee did their primetime hearings, they ran a, isn't Donald Trump awesome show? That's what they did. They ran like this special praising Donald Trump for an hour on One American News, calling themselves a news channel. I'm telling you, if you Google Clinton's took furniture from White House, here's what you'll get. ABC News article about White House gifts that Clinton said were gifts to them. Furniture, rugs, lamps. They said, hey, whatever, we'll give it back. Some of this stuff was donated in 1993. They said, look, we'll give it back. If there's a conflict, we'll give it back. You'll get another article from Reuters from March of 2020. From March of 2020, a fact check to the claim Clintons admit to stealing from the White House, rated as false. Now, who was putting that out in 2020 that Reuters had to fact check it, that Clintons admitted they stole furniture from the White House? But there it was. The second result up there, a fact check from Reuters from 2020. Then you get a fact check uh, from factcheck.org from 2016. 
Question, did Bill and Hillary Clinton return furniture they took from the White House in 2001? Answer, yes, the Clintons returned more than 28,000 worth of items, which they said they thought were personal gifts given to them and not to the White House. And it goes on and on. A fact check from Jacksonville.com News. Was Hillary and Bill Clinton forced to return 28K worth of furniture? Was, was Hillary and Bill Clinton? Oh my goodness, Jacksonville. What's with the grammar? I mean, my grammar ain't that great. All right, what? Anyway, PolitiFact. Dot com. Viral image claims Clinton stole 200000 in furniture. Now it's up to 200000 20 years. 20 years later, it's still a, uh, a story in conservative circles that Bill and Hillary Clinton took furniture. Guess what? When she be- left as Secretary of State, they started again. They started again with the story. When Hillary Clinton left her office as Secretary of State, she stole furniture. This is conservative media. Donald Trump tried to steal the country. And yet half the media, half the people in this country could not care less. They're totally disinterested. When Fox News does decide to show the hearings, the Fox News watchers turn it off. That's what the ratings are showing. Whenever Fox News puts the hearings on, they change the channel. Hearings are over. They come back. Are you telling me you're more interested in whether or not Hillary stole a lamp? Then what Donald Trump did? Are you is that what you're telling me? Are you that convinced that Donald Trump is a stable genius and good for this country? Let me clue you in on something. Donald Trump doesn't even believe that. Donald Trump <laughs> Donald Trump didn't even want to be president again. He really didn't. I know that sounds crazy to say. When you look at the lengths he was going through to be president again, but maybe I should put it this way. Donald Trump really hadn't given any thought to being president again. Let me play a clip for you. This is a clip from Sean Hannity when Donald Trump came on his show during the campaign leading up to the election versus Joe Biden. Donald Trump came on his show It looked like they were doing a little kind of town hall and Sean Hannity lobbed in to Donald Trump the easiest, softest meatball question you could possibly lob to a politician. And Donald Trump whiffed on it like you wouldn't believe. Let me play the clip for you. What's at stake in this election as you compare and contrast and what is what are your top priority items for a second term? Well, one of the things that will be Really great. You know, the word experience is still good. I always say talent is more important than experience. I've always said that. But the word experience is a very important word. It's in a very important meaning. I never did this before. I never slept over in Washington. I was in Washington, I think, 17 times. All of a sudden, I'm president of the United States. You know the story of riding down Pennsylvania Avenue with our first lady, and I say, this is great. But I didn't know very many people in Washington. It wasn't my thing. I was from Manhattan, from New York. Now I know everybody, and I have great people in the administration. You make some mistakes, like, you know, an idiot like Bolton, all he wanted to do is drop bombs on everybody. You don't have to drop bombs on everybody. You don't have to kill people. I just, I, I, I ended it, because it just, it just goes on like that. That's the guy you wanted to be president again? How do you blow that question? That was smack dab in the middle of coronavirus. That was in 2020. Smack dab in the middle of coronavirus. So what, are you, what will be your agenda? What will be your priorities? 
in your second term. How do you blow that? That would be like if your wife asked you, do you ever think about any of your ex-girlfriends? And your answer was, only when you and I make love. That answer would be almost as bad as the answer Donald Trump gave. If Sean Hannity said, what will be your priorities in your second term? And Donald Trump answered just by reading off a list of television shows he likes to watch, that would have been a better answer than the one he gave. How do you blow that? And isn't it amazing to listen to him without video? Doesn't he sound even crazier when it's just the audio, how he just rambles on incoherently? That's the guy the Republican Party is desperate to be president again? That's the guy Republicans all over this country are going, I got to figure out how to get this guy's endorsement. I need his endorsement. Republicans, good Republicans, good Trump supporters. I talked to some of you. I know some of you. Are you kidding me with this guy? This is the guy you're desperate to have be president again? He doesn't even know what to say when you ask him, what would you do as president? Well, first of all, we got to get rid of coronavirus. Then we got to get this economy back on track and roll up our sleeves and put America back to work. How hard is that? I don't care what you think of Joe Biden. If I said, rate how you think Joe Biden is doing on a scale between one and ten, one being the worst, and you said negative 100, fine. I'm fine with that. I'd put him somewhere around a soft five. But okay, if you said negative 100, he's still trying. He's still at least trying to do the job. If you asked him, Joe, what are you going to do next? He'd bumble through a decent answer. He'd say, I got to do something about this inflation. Like my dad used to say, if you don't have enough nickels in your pocket, then you don't have enough penny loafers on your feet. Whatever, you know. He'd say something goofy, but he'd say something at least related to the question you asked. <laughs> I got to move on. I could I could talk about this all day. I told you the psych the psych psychosis in his tweets just comes through every time. There's something seriously wrong with the man. I don't know what's going on with the Republican Party. But then again, I don't know what's going on with the Democratic Party that you struggle so much against this Republican Party that exists right now. You know, it would be like if the Harlem Globetrotters went on a losing streak. I mean, Democrats, you think so highly of yourself, you're supposed to win every time. If this Republican Party is so bad, you're supposed to win every time. This is why I turn and upset people and make people not share my show. But listen, just listen to me. You know, everybody is falling in love with this Cassidy Hutchinson and Liz Cheney, and that's fine. That's all well and good. I have no idea where Cassidy Hutchinson and Liz Cheney stand on unions or abortion or gay rights. I don't know. I know they're Republicans, but it's okay for them. You support them or at least you appreciate what they say, what they do. It's the same thing I'm doing here, just pointing out where I see flaws on either side. And I say that to transition into it happened again on Twitter. Happened again. I see a tweet from someone. And so I reply to it. And the tweet initiated, if that's the right word, from a tweet from Robert Reich. I should say that. Um, I guess he's considered a an economist, whatever. But the tweet that I replied to initiated from a tweet from Robert Reich, where he basically was saying, hey, you know, inflation is 8%, wages are up 5% in 
that means workers took a 3% pay cut, so don't blame workers for inflation, unionize everything. The tweet was something along those lines. And then the person that I replied to had replied to Robert Reich's tweet, the economist tweet, saying there's a lot of BS out there about wages calling inflation. It's all BS. And so I replied to him, well, not really. It's kind of what everyone is saying right now. Every reasonable person who can look at the economy and look at the way things work and say, yeah, wages have something to do with the increase in prices. In other words, inflation. And I posed this to the person and, of course, no reply. No reply. And I'm not going to give the person's name because it's not about that. I'm not trying to call somebody out here or start trouble with someone here. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just asking the question as I have been asking the question. Don't you have to be full and complete in your analysis of things? This guy was appeared to be a pretty big heavy hitter in liberal politics. He had like a quarter million followers on Twitter. Seemed like he was a pretty big guy in an organization, a left-leaning organization. So to act as if the increase in wages, 5% now, increase in wages, which when I told you a few short shows ago, a 4% increase in wages, wages was the largest increase in 20 years. Well, 5% in a year increase in hourly wages, that's pretty doggone good too. But don't you have to look at it and say, yeah, somewhere in between this 8.6% and zero, somewhere in between there lies the contribution to inflation of increased wages. Somewhere. It's not nothing. Why would you act as if it's nothing? Why would you get upset if I point out that, yes, increased labor cost has led to increased prices? Because I said to this guy, you don't have to blame the workers to say that. It's not the workers' fault. That seems to be the approach the left is taking. If you say increased labor contributes to inflation, well, then you're crapping on labor. What? No, that's not the point. That's not the case. But the real problem here, the problem why the left is struggling so much with this is because it blows up one of their main beliefs that if you just give people money, if you just help people out, you know, tax the wealthy and help people pay for childcare, help people pay for education, help people put food on the table, help struggling people, help struggling families, the economy will be great. Well, to a degree, we've learned to a degree. You can't overhelp. That's all. It's the same thing that happened with the right on guns with the tragedy in Uvalde, blew up one of their main talking points. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, there were plenty of good guys with guns there, and they didn't stop the bad guy. They got really upset, too. Didn't want to see their talking point just blown away like that. Well, the left is doing the same thing with this inflation. And it upsets me because it doesn't have to be that way. I think the left can make it easier on themselves with the labor, with the unions, with the inflation, if they just get off the talking points. If they just stop listening to these people who I guess get paid, I guess get paid to never be wrong. 
That's the only thing I can think that. But what's your job? I get paid to never be wrong. Hmm. That must be a hard job because I'm wrong three, four, five times a day. So you come out and you say, well, yeah, we got it wrong. Eh, we overcooked the economy just a bit. Yep, that last round of stimulus probably didn't need that one. We heated things up in the economy just a bit. We were a little bit slow on reacting to it. But, you know, the other side of it could have been worse. We'll never know. That's all. Honesty. That's all anybody wants. Honesty and directness. I listened to Kamala Harris be interviewed by Dana Bash the other day, and she was so evasive in the easiest, once again, easy softball questions to answer. Uh, do you think Donald Trump should be charged? Well, I never uh, weigh in on another prosecutor's case. Why not? Why not, Kamala? You know, I don't know why the left makes it harder for themselves. Whatever you're afraid, how, whatever spin you think is going to be put on your answer, Kamala Harris, by the right, it's going to be put on your answer. No matter what answer you give, whether you give the non-answer that you gave, whether you give a direct answer, whether you give a good answer, whether you give a bad answer, the right is going to put a negative spin on your answer. So you get a negative spin in the right, but then you also get a negative review from the left because you didn't answer the question. Should Donald Trump be prosecuted after what you've seen? I never weigh in. I never weigh in on another prosecutor's case. You think the left is happy with that answer? The left is waiting for you to say, you're doggone right, he should be prosecuted. What more do you need to say? But that's politicians being politicians. That's politicians listening to their political advisors, I guess. You know what? Let me see if I can find the one clip from the interview with Kamala Harris and Dana Bash. Hang on, I'll be back. Okay, here's a clip when she talks about the economy and inflation. All right, listen to this. Speaking of um, disparities and just overall anxiety, I want yeah. to ask you about the economy. Yeah. yeah. There is a lot of anxiety yeah. about the economy. People's wallets are really being hurt mm -hmm. uh, right now. Gas prices, as you well know, yeah. they're still near about $5 a gallon. Yeah. The president said he wanted a gas tax holiday. It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere in Congress. Mm -hmm. What else is in your toolbox? Is there anything else you can do to help bring down the cost of gas? Yeah, well, first of all, let's just say that this is this is a very real issue. And um, we have to do something about it. And it's one of our highest priorities as an administration. So there is the piece that is about gas and bringing down the cost of gas, which in large part has exploded because of Putin's war in Ukraine. The president is in Europe right now talking as he has been to bring our allies and partners together so we can have a common defense around what we believe to be democratic principles around sovereignty and territorial integrity. Um, but there are other things we need to do. And so, for example, bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. One of, we are fighting to say something like insulin should cost no more than $35 a month. Um, we are fighting to say that we should have a, a affordable childcare so that families, working families, shouldn't pay more than 7% of their income in childcare. But that has, you've been fighting for that since and we're day one. And we fighting for that. But now in, inflation is, is really high. Are you concerned about a recession? The administration said um, that they weren't, weren't that worried about, the in, about inflation, and mm -hmm. then that changed. I think that there can be no higher priority than what we have been clear is our highest priority, which is bringing down the costs 
and the prices as much as we possibly can, and we will stay focused on that. I just want to ask you quickly sure. about January 6th. Okay. You are a prosecutor yeah. uh, by training mm -hmm. and by lots of experience. Mm -hmm. Based on the evidence presented so far in the January 6th hearings, would you bring criminal charges against the former president, Donald Trump? As a former prosecutor, I'd never comment on another prosecutor's case. <laughs> I understand that. What the heck's so funny? Answer the question. But on inflation, the economy, again, it's our top priority. It's our top priority. We understand. Like I'm a customer service rep at AT&T. I understand. I understand your frustration. I understand the American people's frustration. It's our top priority. It's a horrible answer. Who is advising them? Do these people get paid? I want to know. Do these people get paid for advising our politicians? Well, what would you advise her to say, smarty pants? First of all, I've asked you repeatedly not to call me smarty pants. Second of all, I've been saying it. Be honest. Just be honest. You know what's honest? Look at the data. Look at the numbers. The first quarter, the economy shrunk. It shrunk more than it was expected. Consumer sentiment is down. People are pessimistic about the economy, but they're spending. Consumer spending was up in the first quarter of this year. That's the data. That's the information I can bring to you. People are pessimistic. They think things are going south. The economy contracted and people are still spending. So what do you have to look people in the face and tell them to do honestly? Stop spending. You're contributing to the inflation. The more you continue to spend where you don't need to, you're contributing to the inflation. The prices will not come down for hotel rooms if you keep booking hotel rooms that you maybe don't necessarily need to book, that you maybe will regret that you booked six months from now. Now is the time to tighten your belt. Not six months from now. Six months from now is too late. You're going to be broke. I know that's a harsh way to look at it, but if you really want to know how to bring down inflation, stop spending. The prices will not come down if the demand doesn't go away. If you're spending money on things that you do not necessarily need to spend money on right now, things that you could put off, things that you might say, you know what, mm, I don't know where this economy is going. Let me save a couple bucks. Let me hold a couple dollars back. If you're not doing that, you're contributing to the inflation. Now, no one wants to tell the American people that. I get it because it's honest, because it's bad news. No one wants to say, hey, there might be bad times brewing. No politician wants to say that. But sometimes that's what you got to tell people. We are well past the everyone's pent up from the pandemic and they just want to get out and spend. We're past that. People have been out. People have been spending. It's what's contributing to the inflation. It's time to dial it down now. It's time to pull back a little bit. It's time to be a little bit smarter now. We have the highest inflation we have had in decades and people have not seemed to adjust their behavior at all. At all. That's strange. Consumer spending was up in the first quarter. Now, maybe people will start to adjust now as I'm saying this. Now it'll start. People will start to get the picture. But in my opinion, it's what the administration should have been saying months ago. Like I said, it's hard. It's hard to tell people 
bad times may be ahead. Politicians always want to say great times are ahead. Don't worry. The economy is going to just keep right on booming, just keep right on chugging along. But we all know that's not true. There's ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs. We're coming into a down. Act like it. Act like we're coming into a down. Back to workers and labor and unions. You want answers on that? I'll give you answers on that. I'll give you solutions on that because I'll tell you. And maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe I shouldn't overgeneralize. But I'll say some of these people, some of these people who make money, who have an agenda, who are pushing this union agenda, who are getting rich pushing this union agenda and fighting for the workers, they're the same exact people that I know. You'll hear them say, you know, I had a reservation for 715 at LeGrunt last night and they didn't seat us until 735. Oh, I gave the hostess a piece of my mind. And oh, yeah, our waiter was horrible. I had to send back my risotto three times. Yeah, those are the people who 10 minutes later will tell you how they're fighting for the workers. Trust me. Trust me on that one. You can't listen to all these people. Not everything they say. Not all of them. They'll tell you, oh, unions will be great for businesses. Unions will be good for the business because if the worker is happier, then that'll be good for the business because the worker will be more productive if they're happier. I had somebody say that to me on Twitter and I replied back to him. I hate to break it to you, but some of the most profitable countries in the world have the least happy, least happiest, least happy, least happy workers. What's that company over there in China where the people throw themselves off the building? They're so unhappy. They had to put nets around the building. What's that, Foxconn? They had to put nets around the building because people were throwing themselves out the window. <laughs> they were so unhappy. Did, did Foxconn change the way they treated their workers? No, they put nets out there so that they could catch the people when they fly out the window and then put them back to work and say, we're docking you for that time that you threw yourself out the window. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If workers are happier, the company will do better. Look at these companies, Comcast and AT&T and Time Warner Cable. You know, all of these companies with the most miserable workers you can find. Making billions. Billions. You think they care about workers being happy when it comes to their bottom line? No. So then the inevitable question comes. Well, what do we do, comparison group guy? Do we just not fight for better working conditions and better pay? No, you can fight for it, but adjust for the times. These are different times. This is not the 1950s, 1960s. Adjust for the times. Ah, geez. So I got to give the solution now. I'm asking these people out there to think and come up with the solutions, but I guess I got to give the solution. All right, fine. I'll give the solution. I'm all about incentives. I like incentives. I like incentivizing people. But you got to incentivize them in the right way. We've learned just giving massive tax cuts to corporations and people at the top does not incentivize them to hire because people only hire when there's a need, when there's a demand for the product and services that requires them to hire. We've learned you can't just dump a whole bunch of money into the middle class or to people who are struggling because they won't always do what you want them to do with that money. You give someone money for childcare, they say, thank you very much. Now I can stop working. If you take away the cost of childcare 
and the cost of insulin, you know what? I don't have to go to work no more. My husband can just work and support us. Nothing wrong with that. That's smart. But that's what people may do. So you have to incentivize the behavior that you want to get. Now, businesses, they like it when they get tax breaks. They love it. Tax breaks. So what about incentivizing businesses in the form of tax rebates or tax breaks if they're labor friendly? No union, just be labor friendly. And there's all sorts of standards that you could have to make a company qualify as labor friendly. The same way they have all sorts of standards for a company to qualify to be designated as environmentally friendly. Thousands of companies desperately want that designation as an environmentally friendly company. They meet all the criteria they need to meet to be designated as an environmentally friendly company. It means something to them. Same thing with being an equal opportunity employer. They want that designation. It means something to them. We have to make it mean something to corporations to be designated as labor friendly. You have to incentivize these businesses for it to mean something financially for them to be labor friendly. When you know which companies meet the criteria to be designated labor friendly, do business with those companies. List those companies on a government website. Here are the companies that have a 95% employee satisfaction rating. Here are the companies that pay tops in the industry. Here are the companies that offer benefits from day one to their employees. On and on and on and on. Whatever you consider a labor-friendly company, incentivize the businesses to do that, and they will do it. You know why? They don't want to lose market share. If the other guy does it, and they don't, and they lose market share, they will do it. You want solutions? Give me 15 minutes plus a pen and a piece of paper. Do these other people get paid? Do these think tank people get paid for what they tell you? They're telling you, fight, fight, fight. We got to fight these companies. We got to force them to do the one thing they don't want to do, put themselves in a position to lower revenue. I'm telling you, no. Incentivize them to do what you want them to do by the promise of higher revenue. Which one do you think they'll go with? Like I said, they're already doing it for so many other things. Why not labor? Why not their most valuable commodity? Good labor. Ah, what's the use? I'm going to end it here. I've gone long enough. I had a whole other thing I was going to get into, but I'll save it. I'll save it for next episode. There's a couple of new segments that I'm going to try and do on a regular basis. One of them is I'm going to refer back to some old shows and tell you what I've gotten wrong. Tell you what I've gotten wrong. You know, in the last episode, I played that clip for you of where I thought I was right in my prediction of where we were going in terms of inflation. I should also tell you and play clips for you of when I was wrong. Wouldn't that be fair? So I'm going to start trying to do that on a regular basis, not every episode, but on a regular basis going forward. So keep an eye out for that. I also have a whole bunch of notes to myself. You know, I make notes to myself constantly, you know, all throughout the week for what I might want to talk about on the show or a particular topic, you know, adding to 
what I want to say about a particular topic, but some of the notes are just random thoughts that I have that never make it into the show, either because it doesn't fit the topic that week or it's just a random thought. But I want to get rid of some of these notes. So I want to go through a bunch of them, tell them to you on the show, and that way I can say, okay, I said them because I think they're interesting, and then just get rid of them. What would be an example? An example would be, what's going on with TV at TV networks? What's going on in the pitch meetings at TV networks? Are they just sitting there saying, we need a new show? We need an idea for a new show. How about a competition show, singing, dancing, whatever, and we'll get C-list celebrities to judge? Brilliant. You've done it again, Gigi. Put it on immediately. Can we get anything in prime time other than these stupid competition shows? How many of them do we need? But it's different at the cable networks. That's the, the, the networks, the big networks. At the cable networks, the pitch meeting must sound a little bit like, hey, I got a great idea for a show. It's about a group of despicable people who can't handle the liquor, and we just put cameras on them 24 hours a day. Hmm. It sounds interesting, but will the people think the reason the cameras are there is because they're talented and interesting and not because they're vile human beings? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. There's no shortage of ignorant, oblivious people in the country right now. I'll admit they are fun to watch. for listening. I hope everyone enjoys their 4th of July. I know I will. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to enjoy it. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Pandora, anywhere you get podcasts. appreciate you for sharing the show. I hope you'll continue to do so. I really do. I'm going to keep cranking out these episodes as best I can. I may not be as regular as some other shows, but I hope when I do put one out, it's worth the wait. I'll see you next time.